I said, what you know about it? It's the stool, baby. Got the knees in plus. Young stool, baby. And the room a lot. Listening to the stew. Back more after the break. Thank you for calling in. My name is Jason Stewart. This is the food podcast I do with Andre Conaparo. Say hello. Blow me up, Tom. <laughs> we were just listening to a band, Metallica, new stuff coming out of Bay Area. Take me out with a bong rip, Tom. Sounds good. Mm. Uh, let's see. Today is Friday afternoon. Um, a lot of traffic out there on those LA streets, so watch out. <laughs> Mattress, uh, mattress. Flash, Flash Fridays, if I believe. Today is Flash Friday. Sorry, Mom. That's where you... <laughs> Don't Google it. Uh, that's where... <laughs> uh, she, you know, she has a radio. She's an adult. She knows what, it, what that means. For sure. We're, um, we're enjoying some beautiful weather. It was gloomy. Now it's warm. We're approaching chilly season. The NBA Finals are here. Yesterday, we watched Game 1 of the NBA Finals, and you made a delicious, delicious treat. It did. It was uh, came out good for what I mean. Look, there's a preface to what this is, but it came out good for what it is. You were you were you were trying to do a healthier, gluten free version of like a crispy chicken tender. My girlfriend is, needs is not electively gluten free. It's a legit diagnosed allergy. <laughs> hey, you don't have to explain, sweetie. I'm just saying. I love living um, a healthier lifestyle as well. And so you uh, you did some chicken breasts into some. Some strip sizes, a little bit fatter than a finger, I will say. More of a chicken wrist, if I will. Yeah, they were like if you got a really good chicken finger, not like a tiny one. Because then also well, now you're just got bragging. Like, well, it's easier to keep that uh, like a bigger chicken finger, like moist and tender inside. Oh, if they're like the little thin guys, like the Burger King fry size or something like nuggets. Interesting. Like you don't. They just and that's all. Uh, I think from it being processed and molded right that's why those are those shapes yeah but i mean just on physics alone but if you if you cut a, a larger slice of breast it's going to be a more tender well-cooked piece of meat because it's you've got a better time mm-hmm. putting through right like when you're searing a two inch steak versus a, a, a half inch one and a half shitty inches. supermarket steak your uh, your room for error is much much worse so that that makes a lot of sense but then so you, you a larger piece of chicken in the finger, you will get a, a more soft, well-cooked piece of chicken breast, which is an easy thing to dry out. Sure. Especially if you're going healthy route. But then you're left with the, the issue of it's a little bit, it's a little large. Is there a workaround for that? I mean, it's not, obviously it was not like an actual problem because everyone just like ate all of it in... I, prefer, I mean, like, I guess it's not, I don't see it as a problem. I think, not, you're saying, you're not saying it's a problem, but to me, like, I prefer that size. Because then I'm getting, like, a big bite of chicken and a little bit of batter. I guess we should do the recipe at some point. But, mm. but like, it's just, it's just nicer to have, like, a nice piece of chicken. You want a little something to sink, sink your teeth into. You're thinking it's too big for dipping? Or what were you, or what Maybe were you thinking? Maybe a little too big for dipping. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't too big for dipping, but... No, it's a big piece. It's because like, we were using repurposed Chick Fil A dipping sauces, which 
have only injured my life in very recently. Those are not made for the size vessel that we were rocking yesterday. Yeah. And they're only left over because shout out to Cater Dan. Loves to do the huge flex of showing up with a party platter and they give you like 200 sauces. Mm. That, and you're that, not going to throw away a bunch of packets of Polynesian sauce or Chick-fil-A sauce. The Chick-fil-A sauce, to me, it's really a problem, I would say. Don't like no, I like it too much. No, it's super unhealthy. It's just like basically like I don't, what a is, worse for you mayonnaise. What is it? Is it just mayonnaise and like Old Bay or something? Like how do they? I'm sure it's worse than that. I'm sure it's just like <laughs> corn oil whipped into something. With but like something if you else. were to attempt to recreate it at home, it would, you would just make like an aioli with like paprika and some paprika, a little mustard and honey or something sweet. Mm-hmm. I think because it's like it's not a honey mustard, but it definitely has a little bit, tiny bit of mustard. Mm-hmm. There's no heat to it at all. No, it, it 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 almost it has like a plastic like mouthfeel, which is horrible. But you feel naughty munching it, and you just can't stop. Um, it's great. Not uh, knocking that. So I'm gonna have to try and recreate a grass fed, um, grass fed yogurt version of the Chick Fil A sauce. Will it be as good? No. But did you did you bury the headline? These are baked. Okay, so these Did are you baked. mentioned they were baked, yeah. We haven't mentioned anything about them. Got so it. they're fr- so off deck, they're baked, not fried. And they're crispy. And they're crispy because the batter, it's not a breadcrumb or a flour dredge. It's a cornflake, which you've hit in the food processor. It's the cornflake. It's the cornflake. And then the cornflake, you don't think of cornflakes as a sweet cereal, but there is a little, little bit of sugar in there. A little bit, but there's also honey in the dredge. Honey in the dredge. So these, so these chicken fingers were, they had like a, a, a sweetness to them that was, that was different in a good way. Sure. Like it, it was odd, but well, that made it, there's it two, I couldn't stop much. There's two sugars. Mm-hmm. There's Bojangles seasoning in the cornflake, mm-hmm. which has a little bit of sugar. Mm-hmm. There's honey in the dredge. But I, but I was tasting a specific mm. cereal sugar. Okay. Um, it, it, but you know, you know, like that, that in, it's like super a super mild sweetness, super mild sweetness, but it's like ingrained into your mind. If you were a child who ate sweet cereal, you have never experienced that. So you don't know never because you're, that. I, I mean, but deprived of that. I ate a lot of grape nuts, but as a, as a youngster, my, you know, mom, let me get a little sweet with it. Hit a corn pop, but a cornflake, it's a good happy medium, but like that. There's like an indistinguishable sugar right. and processed cereal flavor that you just... I mean, like... Well, that's for sure. Like, like That's what you're a, saying. A Frosted Flake is the obviously the most severe offender of that, but the Corn Flake, it's just a nice little subtle General Mills processed sugar. Just couldn't be worst thing to put in your bod. I know your mom is just cringing right now listening to this, but... Yeah, but... It's, the welcome thing to about America. Her, this is the new America, Jill. Since we didn't use a microwave, <laughs> um, if she had one, I think she'd be up for it. She doesn't cringe if she sees, like, a Rice Krispie box oh. in, in the cupboard. She's like, what are these? I'm like... Yeah, but also, you're not five years old anymore. No. So the, the game's a little different nowadays. That's true. Um, so, egg, so you got the chicken breast... Okay, egg wash. Let's, okay, so let's do this the recipe straight through and then we can talk about it. Yeah. <clears throat> so I mean, we've already talked about it, but we'll do one our pound breast things. sliced, like three cups of cornflakes, which seems like a lot, but it's not because there's a lot of like space when you're actually measuring it out. Cornflakes, um, 
in the food processor, mm-hmm. but not too thin. You didn't do it. Yeah, they were, they were pretty big chunks. Yeah, you want the bigger chunks, and you want some of the mix of the dust. Do you <laughs> want the bigger chunks, though? For sure. In your opinion, or is that just... Well, you're just like, you're getting less... You're getting more coating with less actual coating. You're getting more texture. You're right? getting more bang for your buck. Because if, if you're doing straight, blended, dusted, you need a lot more to coat it, right? But like the mm-hmm. little airy cornflakes... Yeah. You, you, you get the crags... And crunch, but the problem with that is the larger the breadcrumb, the more it's prone to fall off in a dip. I mean, well, there's egg in the dredge, so it really kind of adheres pretty well. I found it did adhere pretty well, but I've made it twice, and I found that it comes into like a pretty good casing where you bite into it and you like you actually notice that it's Mm. like there's you're going through. The coating and then in the chicken. Mm-hmm. It's really not falling apart that much. It did not fall apart that much. But you, I mean, just like, not, not just for cornflakes or for what you made, just in general, the larger the breadcrumb, the more it's prone to fall off because there's less, you know, it weighs more and there's more surface area or less surface but area. But the hack is that you're kind of cheating the frying by using cornflakes because they're crispy already and they're not fried. True. Right? So you want them bigger so that texture tastes like a crunchy fried thing mm-hmm. but they're already they started that way and when you bake them they don't go soft god made them crunchy already it's true kellogg's god mm. so then the dredge is couple eggs tablespoon of honey teaspoon of mustard salt and pepper i think that's it bojangle seasoning bojangle seasoning i put in the cornflakes mm-hmm. so it's just like a dip in the dredge dip in the cornflakes onto I mean, I've used like a Silpat mat. This is, I only made it twice. So the first time I did it, I made it with Silpat mat, and then the last time I made it with, I think, wax paper. What do you think about doing a, doing it on a rack, on a sheet pan? I think you want it to. T- I, I think you want the bottom of it to touch hot metal. Why? Because you're going to get more heat that way. So, like, if there's any moisture that's dripping down. It's going to, like, air is not going to circulate, I think, as well in the rack. Well, might. I don't know. Cause air, you, air absolutely circulates better on a rack, wouldn't it? Yeah, but when you're starting with a wet dredge like that, mm-hmm. I'm worried that the wet dredge would also fall through the rack. Because it's a thick coating. Mm-hmm. So when it hits, like, and it also helped both times I've done it, I've, it's a high heat, 450, and I've had the sheet pan inside. So when it hits... I imagine that it like so you, kind you, of gets the egg coating to come together. It's very wet. Um, <laughs> so I feel like if it was on a rack like that, it would kind of like the bottom would just kind of fall through the holes. Mm-hmm. And have you ever thought about dusting the chicken first before you egg wash and cornflake? I mean, that's definitely how I've made fried things in the past before. But this is be- kind of like trying to do the least amount of carb. The healthiest version of an oven-baked chicky mm-hmm. fingy. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe that gluten-free waffle mi- batter as the I mean, as there's the dusting. so many things we could do to it. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things where like, I eat it, and I'm like, it. this is really good. And then the first thing my brain goes to is like, how can we make it even more good? Look, more howling, gooder. Raised, howling raised fried chicken, way better. <laughs> Nipping at your but, heels. So Way fatter. The comparison, like, by serving for this is, like, 180 calories. 
to Ooh. like 940 if they were <laughs> deep fried. 180. Damn, I like that you calculated those cows. If well, you could t- we, are, uh, we are a podcast based in Los Angeles. So. I, compared, I compared some recipes. Mm. But by using skin-free chicken breast and the coating, no dairy in the cornflake compared to like a normal deep-fried chicken, double-battered, mm. completely worth it when you want to have fun. But this is like... Also, we went over to our friend's house. And they're on a wedding diet. They're trying to keep it lean. They have cheat days. But overall, like, you know, they just don't want to house a bunch of fried chicken. Sure. But they love it. So I'm like, I think I got the hack. A little bit. All right. The real problem comes in with the sauce. Yeah. Like, how hard are you going in on barbecue? How hard are you going in on honey mustard? Polynesian? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, that's Your six-pack is made or lost with the sauce, as they say. But you're going to do the same thing with regular fried chicken fingers anyways. So mm-hmm. to an extent, it's like, eh. All right. Well, you keep perfecting that. I'm going to work on my um, locale Chick-fil-A sauce. The next hack is tr- going to be trying to find a really good like yogurt-based low-fat ranch dipper to really complete the circle of trying to be oh. healthy. I mean... It's very possible. It's very that's easy. E- that, that is right up my alley, baby. I would, I would gladly... A little sumac. Oh. You know, get a turn a little. I'll bang that out. That, that's, that's, what I really, that's where I really like to exist in the world of making healthy sauces because I'm just a, such a sauce man. I need the cream. Cream me up. There you go. Aioli time. All right. We, um, I have some topics to speak on. We didn't. I, I last week's episode, which was which was good, and and a lot of people seemed to like it, and it was popular with snacky tunes. It was fun, but those sons of bitches sure do talk a lot. So I didn't really get to hit any of the talking points that I had on my notes, which is a good thing because now I just can use them today. It's kind of the dream when you have a guest. No, you no? Need, you need to step up to the challenge of uh, you know. I feel like no. I say grip it and rip it. Just let them go. Well, then what's the point of doing it? I don't know. <laughs> no, but I've, no, I feel you got a... It's like, it's like I'm the dad, and I got the 65 Mustang, and then you're my son, and after... Yeah, you're my son. This is the worst analogy I've and ever heard. And then after heard. baseball practice, I'm, I'm so like, uncomfortable. I'm this showing analogy. you how to change the spark plugs, and I'm like, Andre, this is going to be yours one day. I'm going to f- throw you the pod keys. <laughs> Nah, I, for the listeners at home, I disagree with this entire analogy. <laughs> all, all I'm saying is, you know, welcome the welcome the challenge of because you, I mean I'm sure from the beginning of you doing this podcast to now, your level of comfort has increased exponentially. Maybe not. Sure. Maybe. Well, maybe you. you maybe just the simple fact that you've improved has has to have happened. Let's hope. <laughs> I don't know if I can actually answer that question myself, but let's hope. Well, listeners, why don't you why don't you let us <laughs> no, well, let good. us know? No, we're good because <laughs> I don't want to know the answer. Come on, people love you. People love you on on my social media. I know one person does. Shout out Jill Conaparo. People other than your mom are a fan of you, and I just want you to know that. So. I really appreciate that. Yeah, you want to... Not joking. That's sweet. Thank you for saying mm-hmm. that. 
Yeah, the way I look at because I'm, which is why we make a good yin and yang team. If you're like, oh, I wish there was just a guest every time so they could just do everything. I'm more of like, I wish you weren't here. I wish there was no guests, and I just get to do it all by myself. And that's I'm right. gonna do it all. Like that's right. And that, that's because you're you're a psychopath. Yeah, and, and that's a too far. So yeah, all yeah. Those yeah. Things. So you balance out my like my whisper of narcissism nicely. Just like a whisper from the walk, as they say. <laughs> oh, the breath of the walk. A whisper from the walk. I am your breath of the walk. Well, speaking of that, um, my zine, my cookbook zine that I did, it's almost sold out. There's only a couple, a couple left, so if you haven't got it... Must be nice if you get one. If you haven't got it, I have, I have one at the house for you. It also you can also buy it. It's available online. But Andre, you're gonna get one, and I'm gonna sign it for you too. Uh, we need a sign, and I also need some graph in it, and maybe a caricature. <laughs> we want it done up. So you want me to do a signature? You want me to do my graffiti style tag, and yeah. then you want me to draw you on a go kart? Exactly with Lenny. If the, if I see this on eBay, <laughs> I swear to God, it would be very easy to track. <laughs> uh, so yeah, go to deardana.com. Also, can you sign it to Gary? Gary, yeah, to sign to Gary. Yeah, fuck Gary, not me. Uh, you've already you, you've I already sold, done I the deal sold in advance. Yeah, okay. Somebody reached out. Uh, yeah, Gary at Sotheby's. He's he's down. Yeah, so go to deardana.com. There's a few. There's a few left. Maybe we'll reprint some more. I'm working on the second one right now. Just gathering up some recipe ideas. Uh, I think I'm going to try to have each one do them more often, but have each one have a theme. So this next one's going to be sandwiches, I believe. That's awesome. My favorite food in the world. The illustrations are incredible, as are the recipes. Thank you. Um, Andre, you have dogs. Am I wrong? I do. Speaking of Who's dogs, you just threw a bandana at your dog because right. your dog has a problem where he eats his uh, paw. And your dog will is very good at paw eating. So whenever he eats the paw, he has to wear the cone of shame. And I'm sure as a dog owner, you don't like to cone him up, but it happens. He's also super good at knowing when I'm distracted. Yeah, he know like he he, he knew that like he was. I think all day long he's like, I hope they podcast on Friday. Yeah, he as soon as they start talking, I'm just gonna lick my paw like crazy. Your dog. I mean, I I added him to my Google Cal so he does know when the paws are <laughs> happening, and then he kind of plans it all out there. And he likes to do it while you're watching. Just that's kind of like his dog kink, you know. But I do have a dog. His name's Lenny. I love him. Um, but best I, friend. I, I have a neighbor that has a dog. Mm-hmm. Which one? Because I've met a lot of your neighbors, multiple ones that have dogs. Next door neighbor. Comedians? No. Next, next door neighbor, who I'm not very close with, but they have a dog that barks. Oh, like directly left that have the, like, yeah. the, sw- the swing, the yeah. swing lounge. Directly right next door. And this dog, this They've is not... They've had like four or five dogs intermittently over the years, right? I've like, been slowly the killing them off. I've been <laughs> <Yeah>. slowly... <laughs> sniper gang <sighs> killing them off. So... I have a whole blow dart system. Nobody knows, but a lot of pink, mi- quick. pink mist in the yeah, in that go, water, baby. Quick, fifty cal jeans come through. <laughs> so I do like killing dogs. So fucking sue me. So my neighbor has this dog, and they had like two or three. And I think they're only down to one. And this dog, and they're 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 bad owners. They they let their dog just they just open the door, and there's they have a, a like a white picket fence around their yard, so the dog just. Hangs on the yard, and anytime anything happens, like 
A dog walks by, a butterfly lands on a leaf, a car drives by. There's a breeze. There's a breeze. The dog barks a crazy amount of barking. And and the neighbors, like, people walk by and they look at me and they give me a look like, oh, I don't know how you deal with this. But And, like, I've been, I've, I've like, blocked it out. But I, I also learned that this dog is blind. So now that, that really throws it off because I want to just, like, I just want to, drop kick this dog into the LA river because I can't handle this barking anymore. But then the fact that it's blind, I feel really bad for right. it because it's, it's literally just like living in constant fear and threat of danger. So it's constantly barking anytime anything happens. Well, you're also, you want a challenge for that sniping. So like if it's blind, like you could be any, you could be two feet in front of it when you take the shot. Oh. <laughs> so what you're you're looking is for a little more dangerous so game. So I want, yeah, 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 yeah. I get it. I, I get wanna, it too. I mean, I'm the same way when I hunt this dogs one, in people's yards with 50 cows. I want to feel it. Lunatic. I want to feel it die in my hands. Is what there, where, is where I'm getting. Not at. all blind dogs bark. I'm very familiar. Is that the name of your memoir? Yes. <laughs> That's one of my favorite Bukowski. <laughs> No, chapters. it's a self-help book that I'm working on right Not now. Not all blind dogs bark. It was a cold November. Um, so, I'm going to get Morgan Friedman to do the audio book, <laughs> by the way. So, well, as, as, a dog, as a dog man, what can I do? What do you think I should do? I, and, and our friend James at Yimmy Yayo, he had a dog hmm. neighbor as well that was a bad baka. And he got this thing on Amazon where it looks like a bird feeder. Hmm. And it's not a bird feeder. You put a nine volt in battery in there, and then it emits this high frequency, like counterterrorism bark signal in the general direction of a dog. And I haven't tried it out yet because he just gave it to me, and I don't have an, a nine volt. But now the dog this week has been chill, so I haven't had to use it. So I'm just waiting for one bark to go by a nine volt and try it out. But then, like, is that cruel to an animal to just? Blast I've never him. had to deal with that, but it's, so it's not bark activated. It's just a constant sound. I don't. That's going to keep him in the house and out of the yard. I haven't done a ton of research. So on it. Google that. It has an on and off switch. I think the bark activated ones are a little bit better because it's it's. What's the term for it? Cruelty free. <laughs> no, well that too, but also it's kind of like the counter response response right right response, right it's whatever it is like it's behavioral training where it's like i barked that noise comes there's on. a consequence to your action as opposed to just a constant blanket that is of noise that's making them cower in fear i'm ready for i'm ready for blanket time is what I mean, i'm saying i've never had to deal with it to that extent i have a neighbor who's got two dogs that are so incredibly poorly behaved and they bark at everything like you described and mm-hmm. i wonder what i would do but it only affects me like on a walk mm-hmm so I don't hear it in my house, but I mean, it's really hard. Also, you know, it's like if you, how do you tell someone that their pet's misbehaving and you're like, hi, I just wanted to, we never have hung out. I've lived here for six years. Just want to have this quick conversation with you. And they're just like, fuck off. I mean, I don't know. No, when I, when I first moved in, I had that conversation with them. I was yeah. like, hey, just to let you know, your dog barks all the time and everybody on the street thinks it's really annoying and could you please do something about it and they're just like where everyone no, nobody thinks that where is everyone it's just you but now i'm like chill with them i think i mean if I, you are my neighbor um, and your listener please 
uh, give us a nice rating and review. <laughs> yeah. Five stars on iTunes. <laughs> no, I think, I mean, uh, whatever that device is, as long as it's like voice activated, I think that will work. But those are your only real options, I think, that are kind of, that are not aggressive are the audio. You're also, uh, you're also a fan of cinema, and uh, a popular move is to put like a little tranquilizer in like a Vienna sausage and then throw it over the fence. If you have like a guard dog, like you need to. Or if you're horrible, you put antifreeze in it and that kills the dog. And then Andre, hopefully, hopefully you get arrested for it. That. No, I mean, that was a story I read once that somebody no, got arrested no. for doing that and got caught for it. But like killed a neighbor's dog by injecting antifreeze in a sausage. Oh, yeah, and yeah. And yeah. got caught. Um, if you were li- if you're the I guy who did that, got killed. and you're listening, he got he got killed in prison. Really? No, I'm just hoping that. Fingers crossed. Antifreeze syringe guy. Um, follow me at them jeans. I like your style, baby. But so, listeners at home, if you have any yeah, ideas, it's, just, it's of, a hard thing of what to do about a dog. I mean, I wish it were. A, I wish there was a better way, but there's not. It's one of those things too. When I when I see the neighbor on the walk with the dogs, and they're great, like they're just crazy, and she's just like, <laughs> and you're like, no, do do something. Like, yeah, I, I've had dogs that had behavioral issues that took training and work and time, as opposed to like, I don't know what I can do about it. Yeah, I think that's like, that's the part that really that's the part that really stings for me as well is the fact that nobody's doing anything about it. It's kind of, and I, and I've talked about this before with. With um, babies crying on the plane, mm-hmm. that's another thing. And I've been told that you shake them from. <laughs> I, I, I always ask, I, not always, but I've asked my mom this a few times. Just like, what do you do? Like, what is wrong and right on an airplane when a baby is crying? Like, if you're the owner, if you're the mother or father of this child, and your baby is crying, what what is wrong and right to do? I don't know because I've never had a child. You try to walk them or get them into the bathroom and kind of like. But what, yeah, when mm-hmm. when like people when people are making the effort to do things like that, then I'm like, okay, I'm not mad at you. And they look around and give everybody on the plane like a like, as opposed to just putting on words with friends on their iPad and being like, this isn't happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I and then I would ask my mom like, is it bad to like, not like physically like cover your child's mouth with your hands, but to like. What if, like, if your if your kid is just like no, that's uh, that's the first that's like, the first thing you don't do. Is I know, cover well, their, like, is to suffocate them on a plane. I'm not saying to do that, but like any any type of effort to like like maybe like as a food podcast, you get some scotch, <laughs> two fingers on the gums. Oh uh, yeah, but I, I'm talking about you have your you have your neck pillow. Maybe you have like a a big poofy shawl, and you just kind of like ball that up and like put it near. Not like don't cover the baby's mouth, but just like near it to like maybe dampen wait. the sound or like absorb the sound somewhere. Like I can't wait to hear you walk out of this description that you just did. <laughs> you just basically are like you you fake smother. You don't real smother. You just like put it close to him like you would smother, and then no, no, see no, no, what no. they do. I'm saying just like kind of cradle your baby's loud mouth. Next to something that can absorb the sound. Oh, like, this, is, this is the music DJ side of you. You're like saying, put some egg carton. On, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm plane. talking. Get get a treated room. Treat that room. Sure. Mm-hmm. So Fair. you know, angle your baby's head into like, don't like smash it into the window, but like move it next point to it, there. Point it to the blanket. Point it to the blanket, and then just get some sound dampening and diffusing diffusing tools with with a neck pillow with a with a big comfy scarf. Maybe you have. Um, you know, whatever, like a sweatshirt or something like that. Fair. Or Fair like. There's an attempt. I just imagine in that big echo chamber, it 
will do nothing. They'll just scream into a pillow mm-hmm. and it'll, just be, it'll sound the same. But I'm just be trying better. to find a better way. Um, all right. Have you ever like sous vide anything before? Or, nope. like Do you like eggs? Nope. <laughs> Allergic to eggs and anything cooked in a water bath. Uh, I, I I was doing uh, I was doing some egg yolk sous vide confit experimentation where um, you you basically you get like a like a glass maybe like a mason jar or something like a small mason jar. Put a couple egg yolks in it and then fill that up with. Some oil, not enough, just enough to cover the yolks, but not enough to go over. And then you have a water bath at the sous vide at you know 146.3 degrees, mm-hmm. whatever you have have deemed to be the ideal temperature for whatever viscosity of yolk that you want. And then it it cooks in there like confit style. Pull it out, and then you have this kind of like smearable play dough egg yolk. Mm-hmm. But in in the recipe, it was saying to use oil. Mm-hmm. And then I was wondering, like, can you, could you just do it with water or does it have to be oil? I would imagine it would have to be oil. For the properties that are different between water and oil, I would imagine it has to be mm-hmm. oil. But I don't know. So, the, like, the oil. Did you try it with the water? I haven't tried it with water. I, I'm sure that'll just kind of scramble it or maybe, I don't know, like, I just don't. Maybe will it keep its. I think it would just, well, the, the, the beautiful kind of like spreadable egg yolk that you're describing. Mm hmm. I mean, if it's just touching water, I would imagine it would turn into a hard egg yolk, even at that temperature. Like it would turn into like a yellow hard egg yolk. But isn't isn't oil a better heat? Isn't it a better insulator? Well, oil transfers heat more efficiently than water. I don't know. Well, I'm wondering because like, because water, but it'll, but it'll insul. Yeah, I get. I don't like, know. What does water boil at? Like two hundred something degrees. I think one. God, we should know this, but one ninety eight. Um, let's guess. Boiling point of water. Boiling point is the name of a restaurant. That's not helping. What is their lunch menu like? <laughs> uh, water ha- two twelve. They have a happy hour. It boils at boils at two twelve. So if you're getting this yolk at one forty, we're a long ways away from boil zone, right? But there's time because I do I do a dip egg that is like it's a two minute egg in boiling water or simmering water, mm-hmm. and then sous vide for forty five minutes at a hundred and forty eight. And what happens is the initial boil because if you're going to try and peel. Like a soft boiled egg, it's it can be really it's really hard, right? Yeah. But if you have boiling water started and you drop them in the boiling water, that freezes or not freezes, but that tempers the egg yolk immediately or the egg white off of the shell, makes it constrict from the te- the difference in temperature, as opposed to if you put them in and brought them to temperature, mm-hmm. you drop them in. So you shock then, it with a boil and then do a low And that helps and that's just really to help the peel and the time in the Okay, but also when you when you take a egg and you're making a poached egg, you have mm-hmm. your water and it's just below boiling. It's a simmer, so maybe it's around like 180 or something like that. You put the egg in, the the white turns into the jellyfish ghost, but the yolk stays intact. There's some. I mean, that's the the simple way to do it. There's also some crazy ways to do a a poached egg as well. But I'm more saying the fact that if you boil. If you just take an egg and you drop it in that in that simmering water, the yolk stays. Yeah, intact. but the the white's protecting the yolk. So, in what you described to me, and I could be wrong, 
You're just putting in yolks, right? You're separating the I'm white. Just putting in yolk. Yeah, but how much is the white protecting that yolk when you're in a volatile? I think an insane amount. But the yolk and the white almost instantly separate from each other. They well, you get the ghost trails, but they definitely don't separate. Ghost trails. This is interesting. I like this. What? I mean, uh, it's ghost also trails? no. This 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 subject. If you it's fun for if me you to label debate. this podcast ghost trails, there's going to be so many unhappy downloaders <laughs> being like ghost trails. All right, I'm listening. Um, yeah, alien hunting is another thing that we like to do. But if you so, I'm 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 just going to try to do it with with water. But then also. Then you can then you can really flavor that up, mm-hmm. because it's it's also like I just want to do it because it seems like a waste of oil, just to use all that oil. I mean, I guess you can reuse it kind of, but then it's a little weird. Well, my point would be not to cut you off, but not being, Don't you know, you like off. engineers of this sort, not being wild molecular gastronomists. Mm-hmm. That understands the real chemistry of food. Mm-hmm. I would imagine there's a reason. It's like if you poached when I, so I do that. Jelena poached olive oil and garlic clove thing, right? You poach it in olive oil. Poach what? The, just garlic cloves. You put in oh. 200 garlic cloves, poach it in olive oil, and then you leave a layer of olive oil on top so it seals it. It keeps it away from you know, uh, going bad in the fridge mm-hmm. and they stay good for, you know, months. Right. And then you can kind of scoop that off and heat it up and use it. And then the, the oil mm-hmm. itself becomes infused and the garlic cloves become mm-hmm. insanely soft. Mm-hmm. But that's also, so why not poach it in water? So there's a reason. There has to be a reason why between the membrane of whatever you're using, the way water would transfer, oil does not. In the way that mm-hmm. anything you're using, like, the water content of the yolk has to separate it from oil since they separate themselves. Where if you used water, water would transfuse itself in between during different temperatures between like the cellulose walls in and out. That would be me not knowing anything and possibly being completely wrong. That would be my guess. Mm-hmm. Whereas <clears throat> oil separates from water, it would keep the water content inside whatever you're poaching. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or in that in that way of the egg yolk, that's where I would see it becoming a completely different texture altogether. I guess that I mean I, I'm looking up on online, and you can there are a lot of recipes for poaching egg yolks, and that, I guess that's just the difference between confit egg yolk and poaching egg yolk. Well, nothing ever gets confit in water. True, ever. and also that's just boiling. Or poaching, poaching. But, but I mean, yeah. But I, 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 I've always that's always bugged me because I always thought the the proper definition of confeing something is when it's cooked in its own fat. Mm-hmm. And now, whenever I see like a confit asparagus or something like that, I'm like, this, you, there's no fucking asparagus oil to confit it in. It's been, I think, as a term, it's misused constantly, and now it's basically used to no, describe something being cooked in itself and that usually involves oil but to an extent i mean you can make the argument that the reason why like duck confit was invented was because when you cook it down the high fat content renders such mm-hmm. a high level of fat you don't have to add any fat itself and that oil and that fat yeah. seals it and it can stay at room temperature mm-hmm. and not be exposed to what you know 
Yeah, so whenever I, I but it, I whenever I see a menu, I want and if if it says confit tomatoes, just say oil poached. I agree. Mm-hmm. I actually got in trouble. One of those favorite recipes that I make, the the one that's kind of that term tomato confit pasta sauce, but mm-hmm. I was like Oh yeah. The person who taught it to me. Nancy I was Silverton. Like, no. Someone else. <laughs> but took it from her. I was like, that's bullshit. And she was like, what? I was like, nothing. Sorry, just kidding. I'm sorry, you got triggered <laughs> for a second when you described that as tomato confit. Mm. You just put garlic, onions, and tomatoes in an oven with olive oil. That's not a confit. That's not. That's just a wet roast, I call that. Sure. Uh, I've, I've been doing a lot of mortar and pest- pestling lately. Mm-hmm. I made, a, I made a, a pesto out of celery leaves. As an experiment, mm-hmm. tasted pretty interesting. Sure, I wasn't mad at it. Carrot top pesto, mm-hmm. mm. beet top pesto. Do you do a lot of pestoing? I feel like you don't. I kind of don't. My favorite pesto is a I'm rough scared? is a rough chopped walnut garlic basil pesto. Rough chopped, not in a mortar and pestle. You've had it before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to, it's a different animal because you're not going to be able to extract all that oil from. Would that be more of a salsa verde? But also, the oil content in celery leaves is very different than basil, too. Yeah, it's like none. Um, but that's how you're supposed to do it. You're supposed to do a more and pestle. Mm-hmm. That's like the real Many deal. people will say if it's not in a more and pestle, it's not a pesto. Not a pesto. So I like a coarse chop and then just dumping a bunch of olive oil on top because I really like the texture of it. Mm. But it's very different. I mean, my dad... So that's more of a chimichurri. Probably, or a salsa verde. Mm-hmm. But my dad used to do a very traditional pesto every year and freeze it when the basil crop came in at our house. Mm. He blended it. But he made it in huge batches. And the great thing is when you top it... Donald, if you're listening, when you top you? it, When you top it in like ice cubes or containers... With olive oil, it stays fresh and incredibly great forever in the freezer. What would, something like there's a layer of like a quarter inch of olive oil sealing it in. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. What would he do with that pesto? Everything. Anything from pasta to eggs to meats. Mm-hmm. And it was like one of my mom's favorite things too. Also, my dad, uh, when I talked to him before we started this podcast, uh, said on the phone to both of us, so you guys got a guest, or is it just you two bozos? Yeah, screw you, Donald. So it's just us two bozos, Dad. Mm, I didn't know they had iTunes in Kauai. Shoutouts, Don. But he also, so we're from Genoa, which is a, like a very heavy um, pesto region, and he makes incredible pesto, but <laughs> always a very wonderful, classic, and timeless um, pine nut. Mm-hmm. But he also taught me the, the coarse chop walnut one, too. Mm-hmm. But his old school one, the one he did when I grew up, was always pine nuts. Still have a fun. The pure traditional. I mean, yeah, that's the way you do it's it. So right? good. Mm, now I'm fiending for that right now. Well, there's no wrong pesto as long as it's done good. I mean, like it depends using on carrot, who you ask. Using carrot tops can be great. Yeah, there's pierce for everything. I've talked to a lot of Italians who are just like, "This is how pesto has to be done," and also, and and uh, people also go so far as to being like, "Pesto is only." 
tossed with pasta in room temp, and that's the right. only way it's to be served. It should not be on a crostini. It should not be on some eggs. It shouldn't be on a chicken breast. It's only tossed with pasta fresh out of the, the water, and that's it. I think somebody... No, Nikki asked me, like, what have, what have you learned, like, in the last 10 years or something as a question? It's a fun question, right? What have you learned in the last 10 years just generally like what would be a le- what would be a big life lesson or something? Oh, okay. It was fun. She had a great answer, too. But I was like, there's no right way to do anything, I think, was my answer. Mm. And anybody who's a purist about anything, it's semantics. And I understand if you want to define, like, a cultural dish, and that's... I mean, I guess if you're really, if you're a study of like ethno-specific cultures, but at the same point, that to an extent, I guess I, I like the origin stories of things. Yeah. But anyone who just like dismisses certain stuff or like at a party will be like, "Oh, that's not." Mm-hmm. It's like, "Oh, I don't want to talk to you anymore." Yeah, because you don't sound because you, you, you like it just sounds elitist or boring or dumb or not not open to conversation. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, you've, you, you, you removed any possibility of imagination or open mindedness. It's like talking to somebody on the far left or the far right. Mm, uh Oh, there's just no conversation. I told you no politics. <laughs> Come on. That's but not a pesto. I think, like, a, all right, then. Okay, fine. I think, a, I think a good example of that is, is like the, the dry pasta cooking where mm-hmm. everyone for forever, like my whole life was just like, you get the biggest pot that you have in your house, 10 gallons, fill it up with water, get it to a ripping boil, put salt in so it tastes salt like the like sea. Salt like the sea, the mar. Salt like the mar. And then you put the pasta in and then it boils and you pull it out. No, don't use any oil. Use oil. Blah, 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 blah. And then a while, like a few years ago or whatever, five, ten years ago, they found that you can get a arguably better result by putting the pasta in a cold pot, filling it up with just a couple inches of water above that, bringing it to a boil, allow the starch to extract more slowly and abundantly. You have more control over the doneness of it. It extracts more starch out of it, and a lot of people say that's a better way to cook pasta. And that's that's one thing that was just like a, ingrained in in Italian cooking for centuries, it seems like. And then one guy was like, I found another way. And then a lot of people are like, damn, that makes sense. If So if something as sacred as pasta cooking could be altered in the, in the sands of time, then, the, then you know, the door is open for anything to happen. And let me say, there are, I guess there are right ways to do things to an extent. <laughs> Backtracking, my point is not to be turned off by somebody else's idea of something or of a sure. dish or another way. And I mean, literally, the, the, the conversation or the concept of thinking outside the box, is also believing that there's not mm. one single right way to do I lo- something. I love a traditionalist, but there's a certain moment where you got to pick your battles. Go- don't go too far. Except in sushi. There's only one way to do sushi. You're fucking right. There's only one way to do it. Um, yeah, maybe. But also, who knows? In, the, in 200 years, technology could invent something or like a new fish can be discovered or a new whale meat could be in gas stations. A new rice could be cultivated. Who knows? They're they're going to cure salmon and ranch dressing and then this is going to be this and anything could happen. Trying it tonight. Trying it tonight. I, um, I made, uh, 
a, a, a dish a while ago, like a couple weeks ago, that was kind of a play on the classic southern tomato sandwich. A nice summertime. Did you ever grow up eating those? Mm-hmm. Where it's kind of like... Well, describe the sandwich to me, but... It's just white bread, sometimes toasted, sometimes not. Mayonnaise. Thick-ass slather of mayonnaise. Yep. Thick slice of a perfect summer heirloom tomato. Salt and pepper. That's it. Oh, no. It's kind of a southern thing. Mm-hmm. People like it a lot. I like it a lot. It's it's if you get a really you have I, would, to, I mean I would like that. You have to get an excellent tomato is kind of the main Sure. It's it's sort of celebrated like by inch and a half. Mm-hmm. 2 inches. Sure. It, it's meant to celebrate the the bounty of the season. But uh I, w- I, w- I really like I was trying to think of a different way to do that and then I was I was combining that sandwich with a uh, Spicy tuna, crispy rice, which is one of my favorite white people things to order. A sushi restaurant. Same. A piece of... 100%. A little rectangle brick of rice that's either baked or fried, so it's crunchy. A little avocado, some spicy tuna. It's delicious. So I did like a combo of that where I took the tomato, diced it into like really fine, as small little cubes as I could, and then uh, I put it in a little strainer and salted it pulled all, all the tomato water out, and then I had the presence of mind to put a little nub of bread in the bowl underneath it, so then that soaked up all that tomato juice. Brilish. Right. And then um, mix that with some mayonnaise and a little gojujang for like a little spicy, spicy kick. And then I got some sourdough toast, toasted it up, put it in a little square, like a little, a little rectangle, avocado, and tomato on top. I did it with a little. I did it in a masubi press as well, so it kind of had a, a nice little blah blah blah, swanky rectangle feel to it. A little fresh chive on top. Came out great. Sounds very good. It needs a little work, but it came out real good. Uh, tomatoes have so much moisture in them; it's crazy. Yeah, there's a lot that comes out, especially and salting them. We'll but really, but when when you mix the tomato with the mayo and the gojujang and the salt and pepper, and then pull all that extra moisture out that seasoned spicy kind of the remnants of mayo-y tomato water it's it's a really special flavor tomato water is pretty great by itself too yeah man and then i was thinking like what if you just use tomato water to make use that as in when you're making bread tomato bread use that when you're making pasta tomato pasta this came up we talked about we talked about water this before. at some point, right? Mm-hmm. Getting deja vu. Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely. Mm. Uh, I saw the last issue of Lucky Peach, and it's like the the best magazine I've seen in a long time. It was so sad because I I never really loved Lucky Peach. Like I loved how it looked and I loved the spirit of it, but. The, the content never really grasped me that well. And yeah, I, really I always liked, liked it more than you. Um, and then the, the last issue was just, they just said, fuck it, and just did, went really left field, just random stuff. And I, I thought I it was so good. So if you have the chance, it's on, it's on newsstands right now. I, I just Either it's it. coming or I didn't get it because my subscription ran out or something. That's weird, though. Yeah. Um, but I definitely want to get it. For listeners at home, Andre feels left out because he subscribes to Lucky Peach and it does not have it. This is the point in the podcast where Jason talks about another dinner that he went to <laughs> that I was not invited to. What dinner is that? I don't know. You've got one each podcast, so 
Which one is it? Let's hear it. Oh, well, well, well. What can I say? I went to a food festival last weekend. Um, it sucked. But everything was free. I did have some good things. Um, it didn't suck. I'm just kidding. But it, it was downtown. Nicole Rucker, who has done this episode, this podcast yep. before, yeah, yeah. a couple months ago, she made this rhubarb pie that was just amazing. I mean, her pies are just the best pies in They're town. They're incredible. Some like long hair bro made this really artisanal, dark, grainy grits that was real soupy and creamy. And then there's some braised beef cheek with cherry on top of that. Ooh. That was a real slammer. That sounds good. But then there was a bunch of people with dumbass mixology drinks with beet, fennel, elderflower, syrup. Oh, that's right. We talked about we this about with the guys on Monday, too, about like how food festivals always have horrible drinks. Yeah, everyone's just trying too hard. I mean, but that's how some that's how a lot of people are. I I've, I'm I'm thankful that I never got bit by the mixology bug to that extent. Like I really love That's one thing where I'm a traditionalist where it's just I don't need more than 3 4 ingredients in a drink at the most. It's usually just 2 or 3. I have to agree completely. But I love it when a drink is just alcohol uh a flavor that has some sweetness and then a counterpart that has some bitterness or whatever just like Tequila, grapefruit, soda. But also, we did have that experience. And it really hasn't been mimicked that many times elsewhere. Whoever was doing the cocktail program at Bel Campo in Santa Monica, because mm. those were a little bit forward-thinking, potentially annoying by reading the ingredients. But in mm-hmm. J- Jonathan Gold's review was saying, like, the food's great. Um, but really what's incredible too is like the cocktail program and I can't, something at beet juice and I can't remember them exactly, but I remember yeah. in a moment being like, holy shit, these are really good. Mm-hmm. Like, there, this there, is... It's crazy how there's such a fine line between like, here's like a chefy, thoughtful cocktail where it just falls flat on its face. And then one where you're just like, okay, this fucking guy gets it. He just like, it's exactly what you want. And that's, it's, it's much like, uh. Like a fancy gourmet burger where like nine out of ten of them you eat and you're like, this is, I just want to eat a double-double, this is stupid. And then every once in a while you have one where you're like, oh, I see what's going on here and it's actually working really well. You know, it's crazy. They'll still have the Father's Office burger like once a year or so. Mm-hmm. And it's considered possibly the first gourmet hamburger. Yeah. Like it's kind of defined. Like it's it has that credential not even as an like a – kind of a wives tale or an anecdote like it literally like is i think in like the books of everybody like that was the first like turnt gourmet hamburger mm-hmm. it's still so good it is and it's you know i think it came on the menu in 2002 or something or 2001 and to have that kind of consistency and still have it that good and be as good as anything else kind of in the in that gourmet game mm-hmm. pretty impressive i'm agreeing with you Mm, okay, we're gonna close out rapid fire. We're we're doing rapid fire lightning round. Uh-oh. We're not we're not going we're not gonna we're gonna hit Twitter questions, but we're not gonna do long ones. Okay. So, Carpe DMs. Nope. Leo the Asian says, "What knives do you use? Kitchen tool you can't be without." Uh, every day I use. I've got the. I've got a global knife, and I've got the. Uh, was it Ace? Is that what it is? Wait, what's the Japanese knife that you gave me? Um, I'll think of it, and we'll come back. The to real, it. 
super sharp, thin guy. Oh, I always forgot what it's called. Yeah, I'm just a standby global daddy all day. Keep it sharp, and that's that's a great daily driver. Yep. Um, Andre has a few more knives than I do. Some nice Japanese steel, but I feel like yeah, carbon steel you just have to maintain. So it's kind of like there's there's ones that I go to more than not, and I like my I don't have my global anymore. They got passed on. But, oh, so we need to figure, I can run over and grab the knife and look at that brand because people should buy it because it's for the price. Run over and grab it. It has to be the best knife on the block. You talk about your tool. I'll okay. Kitchen tool, I can't be without. Um, I mean, I guess a tool is different than an appliance. So I'm going to, I mean, lately I'm going to say it's a mortar and pestle because I've been using it a lot where... If I have things in my refrigerator that are going to turn, like herbs and weird little things like that, I'll just throw it all in there and smush it up and put some olive oil and lemon juice in it and then just smear that on stuff. Uh, Mac. Mac. And I thought of it as I was reaching for it. I was like, oh, Mac. M-A-C, Mac. They're really affordable, super sharp, really good. Holding edge incredibly well. Holding edge well, good for a, like a fine, precise chop. They looking. also make a, a pointed knife as well as a rounded knife. And I actually really like the rounded knife. I like the stub no nose as it. well. Yeah. It really kind of changes the way you chop with it in a, in a nice way. Mm-hmm. Um, what about your kitchen tool? So I would say Mac knives are what I think is the cheapest, most effective. You have more expensive knives, but that I love that knife. I give that knife out uh, as gifts. It's a toss-up between a garlic press and a citrus press. Mm, I'm going to say citrus press. I've, I think a garlic press is you can't, you can't replicate that because a paste is different and then a dice is different. Like a paste, the oil doesn't separate in the same way and also the time it takes when you're really kind of like doing four mm-hmm. things at once mm-hmm. to be able to do that with garlic into a dish that mm-hmm. needs it that way or a dressing I use my a garlic, garlic press. A, a pressed garlic all the time. has a much higher garlic astringency to mm-hmm. it, which is not always welcome, but it is often welcome. And mellows really quickly too when you put it in an acid because it's pulled apart so well, so quickly. Even I mean, it's so much finer than a dice, a fine dice. It's great. Mm. Okay, next question: Hyperreal at Postmodern Water. Favorite meal after Kush? Great question. Um, Kush is a slang word for marijuana. Uh, neither of us have ever tried it, but I'm nope. going to go out on a limb and say I really like, I guess if it's on a, it, the summertime is here. It's kind of hot. We're in the 80s. I like to get the chocolate-covered frozen bananas from Trader Joe's where it's just a little coin of banana dipped in chocolate. Throw that in the freezer and munch that down. That's very good. Also, a frozen Thin Mint Girl Scout cookie is a good post-cush meal. Or um, lastly, just like a nice... Oh, wait. Snap Pea Crisp is a good muncher. What do you got, Andre? I'm going either Nerd Rope (laughs) or Cereal. (laughs) I do like a heady bowl of granola with a nice almond milk. It's great. Rice Krispies, Corn Flakes, with a big Cheerios, nothing, nothing Fruity Pebble, nothing, mm-hmm. nothing really deep in the sugar game. And you're sitting Indian style and eating it with a wooden spoon? Sure. <clears throat> or just my hand. Sweatpants on. But also Nerd Rope. Nerd Rope, don't, 
overlook the texture of a nerd rope. It's incredible. Interesting. Okay. I mean, I love nerds. Uh, I I don't know if I've roped though. I'm gonna add it to my to do list. Oh, I got one. Um, I got one here. Jorge Grouchium, best sushi in LA. I mean, that's kind of an impossible question to answer. I'm gonna take the fifth on that because I can't afford the best sushi in LA. Yeah, the best sushi in LA is way too expensive for any of us to afford. But I've spoke about spoken about it of, on here a few times. But a good affordable. Again. Sushi Gen is great for lunch. I would say again. And then Soragashi in Hollywood for dinner is a nice, affordable-ish place to get some really high-quality stuff. is fun. Shintaro is fun. With reservations, but I don't know. But yeah. Filter Bear asks, best restaurant in Orange County from your youth? Ooh. Which is a good question. I'm, I'm very partial to Mother's Market, which is a natural health food store that has a restaurant in it. It's not quite as magical as it used to be, but it's still a part of me, but... In Huntington Beach, there's a place called Fuji Burger, which is a Japanese teriyaki meets California place. It's a little tiny hole in the like wall. Like a Mexican burrito teriyaki place? Kind of. It's, yeah. r- it's right by Golden West College in Huntington Beach, which is very close to where I grew up. But they, had, they have this thing called a Fuji Burger, which is like uh, a burger that has bacon, lettuce, tomato, teriyaki sauce, avocado. And then they also have avocado tacos, which is uh, a flour tortilla with avocado and teriyaki sauce and lettuce and cheese. It's kind of like a chicken soft taco that's vegetarian. So that that has a good near and dear place in my heart as well. And you are not from Orange County. So I got an answer. You don't get to answer. I got two. Tyler Taco. No, the mushroom burger Taco Loco. Oh yeah, in Laguna. Taco Loco mushroom tofu mushroom burger in Laguna yeah, Beach. Yeah, tofu mushroom burger by far Taco Loco incredible, obviously. And also at um, the Orange Chicken. What's it called? Not open anymore though. Alisan. Alisan. Yeah, I feel like you used to go to Taco Loco in Laguna Beach so much that I thought you lived in Laguna Beach. Sure. Like honestly, not joking. There was like rumor that you were like, <laughs> like parent, like your uncle had a house in Laguna. He started Laguna Beach. Tyler Dietz, the god, molasses on ice cream, yes or no? I'm going to no. go with no. <laughs> no. Hard no. Molasses is a strong... I mean, maybe... I mean, he's he's from the South, so maybe molasses is different for him. It's just so fermented and beer, like, waste. Like, it's just, like, such a weird flavor. I don't know. But Oh, it's, no, he's it, from it, San Luis It, it does have a savory... Quality Tyler, what the hell are you doing eat, eating molasses on ice cream in San Luis Obispo? Still, it, I'll try it with you, though, Tyler. Maybe he knows something that we don't know. But I'm an ice cream purist. Give me a nice scoop of vanilla and we're good. Chocolate malt crunch. Keeping up with our drug theme, apparently, Jesus. at, at Benjils underscore. Asks, do you want to buy some cocaine? DM in, me. His, his screen name is InSinkHole. Wow. Fave gum when rolling. Rolling means you're on ecstasy and people chew gum when they're doing that. I'm going to say fave gum when rolling is going to be a uh, <laughs> something very mentholated. I will Blow say. pop. <laughs> Blow pop. Ring pop. Uh, menthol Newport. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> More ecstasy. We've never done drugs before, but I've heard that the mentholated sensation is very appealing when you're doing that. 
Sure. I'm, I'm going with more ecstasy. Um, the final question, which is an actual real question, and it's above my pay grade from my old friend Mishnah, um, mm. at Mishnah Official, are masticating juicers worth it? I feel yeah. You feel yeah? Because you're not oxidizing, right? I don't know. My, my knowledge of masticating juicers is not super heavy. Well, it's an extraction juicer, basically, right? So it's not. A, I don't like your tone right now. Oh, God damn it! <laughs> yes, I feel like the purists will tell you that definitely they will be worth it because you're not oxidizing the juice as you make it. Well, when it when it comes to blenders, Vitamix is expensive as hell, and I say fully worth it. So, but it's not a juicer. I know, but I'm saying that's my analogy, so it makes sense. Right. The Vitamix is the masticating blender in my brain, so I'm, and it's well worth it, even though it's ridiculously expensive. So I say yes. So the, I mean, that version is like basically the idea that it's a cold, it's a, it's kind of a home version of a cold press, and it's different than a cold press. I'm not mm-hmm. comparing the two, but you know what they say is when you oxidize juices, like the the Breville that's really popular got popular in that documentary. You're basically killing like 90%, or some people will say you're killing 90% of the nutrients by oxidizing them at such a rapid rate in the air, mm. as opposed to when you're using a masticating juicer, which is basically an extraction. It's like using like the little screw that goes through the screen, and mm-hmm. it's supposed to, it's, they're a huge pain in the ass to clean. And mm-hmm. But what juicer isn't, I say? Right. I, I, yeah, I would say that every argument I've heard is that they are worth it. If you have the time to clean and okay, but I don't know. Here's my argument against that too. Oh God, is that all right? These must be rapid fire answers. But the juicing question is always like, so what price point are you getting your raw ingredients? Because mm-hmm. it's really expensive to get as much kale juice out of just raw kale as I do from a juice place that's buying wholesale, mm-hmm. right? So when you spend 11 bucks on a juice and you're like, this is crazy, mm-hmm. then you break down how big that is mm-hmm. and you see the ingredients and then you try and replicate that at home on top of the, the cost of the juicer and the everything. You're, I don't know if you're actually like, you might be saving money by letting them buy wholesale as opposed to you going to Whole Foods and buying like really nice organic. I don't know. It's a hard question. Hard question, but you answered it. Thankfully, now Andre Conopar, what's the best thing that you had all week? And I'm I ask I'm having you go first. Well, we did because that Monday. I forgot, but we did it Monday. Oh, so between God. now and I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I went to Tito's Tacos yesterday. Great, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Mm, I don't like Tito's that much though, but I liked it. I liked the vibe there. Mm. Chicken fingers that I made. Yeah. Listen, rewind at the beginning of the show. Them chicken fingers. Yeah, that was delish. Also, I went to M Cafe last week. It's just so good. I love it. Kale with peanut. We talked about Damn. it on the pod. We've talked about it before. Oh, mama. I I just think that M Cafe is always stellar for what you're getting. Mm-hmm. All right. Andre Conaparo, another perfect podcast in the books. Nobody does it better, baby. Hi, Karen. Hi, Jill. Hi, Mom. Hi, Dad. Thanks for calling us bozos. Screw you, Donald. 
Follow me on social media at them jeans. Andre Comparo has no social media. My brother is still alive. R.I.P. Stewart. Follow him on Instagram at Stu Stu Stewart. Go to DearDana.com, hit the store button, and buy my cookbook zine. There's literally just a couple left because you guys are all so nice. If you bought one, thank you so much. And I got a lot of people DMing me with their pics. How much money did you make? None. No, I'm kidding. I just wanted wanted to see your face because you love asking that question to people. (laughs) I do it for the love. Mm -hmm. I do it for love, and I want money so bad. (laughs) Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Do do do.